What does it mean to manufacture a stronger standard? At DeGeist, it means to solve challenges and help manufacturers achieve more through our people, our technology, and our belief that anything is possible. This is Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, a podcast by DeGeist. Hey everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Manufacturing a Stronger Standard by DeGeist. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the show. Now, in this series that we're in right now, we are bringing awareness to technologies that are new to the finishing industry in North America. But the technology we're talking about today is new to the world, and it's less the self-learning suction blow-off robots. And we're really excited to dive into this technology. And joining us today on the podcast is Brad Rupert. He's an engineering manager and application specialist at DigEast Corporation. And he wears a lot of hats, and he has a lot of expertise in spraying technology. So, Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Joining us. And also, as always, we have Derek DeGeese, president at DeGeese Corporation and Lesta USA on the podcast with us as well. Derek, thanks so much for being here. Well, guys, it is uh, fantastic to have a chance to talk to you. And Derek, we know that you're passionate about self-learning technology. So tell us, how is it changing finishing for the general industry? Self-learning technology is allowing more general industry manufacturers the opportunity to use automation robotics in their finishing systems. And so as we look at empowering their employees, helping them be actively involved in creating robotic programs and solutions in their systems, we're finding that there's also additional ways that we can use this technology in their in their system. And so it actually, uh, we're talking about today, the suction blow off application. And this came out of uh, a problem that uh, we were faced with as we were building our own system. As we were putting our system in, it was our first fully automated system with uh, with chain. We had a manual conveyorized system before we put our, our robotic full system in. And so when we went to a pre-treatment stage of a five-stage wash, we are putting our system in, we are putting our robots, our spraying robots in, we had four of those we were putting in and we were planning how it was going to go and using what we've seen over in Europe. And our goal was to have no more than one or two people in our entire clean room. We're running all four of our robots in our, in our entire pretreatment and everything system after we got running. Um, as we put that in, our the finishing um, company we're working at that was putting in the, the five-stage wash said, well, you're going to have to have someone stand over here on the backside as your parts exit your, your pretreatment stage. I said, well, why? He said, well, because you have a lot of complex parts and a lot of nooks and crannies. They're going to be holding water. And typically what uh, companies do is they blow the water off manually with, a, with an air wand. I said, well, we don't want to do that. He said, well, you can also turn your oven temp up and you can evaporate the water off. Um, that's your, your oven, your dry off oven. Um, people will turn that up to match kind of the part that holds the most water to evaporate that. And they set that as, their, as the temperature and the timing they need to evaporate kind of their worst part. And then they, they will then leave that set at that. And I said, well... I saw what happened when they turned that oven on for the first time. And I saw that gas meter start spinning. And I just about threw up. I said, I don't <laughs> want to do that. That is not going to work for us. And they said, well, you could re-engineer the parts to be able to add new drain holes or reposition the part. I said, well, we're a contract job shop. These aren't even our parts. We can't go re-engineer it to make it be able to do that. 
And so then that's when we, I remembered being over in Sweden, there was a powder coat company that uh, we were looking at huge operation, lots of different parts coming through and they were using uh, Lester robots as a touch up after their automatic guns. Um, and we were watching a part come by and uh, a guy just bumped through there, came up and walked right in there, grabbed a hold of the robot and teach the, did the touch up program to do a couple of nooks and crannies in the powder of a couple parts of the Faraday effect and relocked it in and turned, nodded his head and walked away. You know, it was like a 20 second program. And then um, see these parts coming by, I see a tiny puddle of water. I'm like, well, why can't we use the technology to do that the same? Like, we're not going to have someone stand back here, have a monotonous job doing something over and over again. Um, so, you know, we got our team together. We got, got Brad in the room and the rest of our team. We started collaborating and uh, Brad just took off and, uh, and came up with something really cool. So, Brad, I want to hear a little bit more about you. So can you share your background and how you applied the experiences that you've had in the industry to this technology and to what you're doing now at DeGeist? Well, yeah, I guess it all started. My, my dad is actually a, an auto body and restoration technician. So we have our own family business that I was you know, spraying paint when I was eight, nine years old. So kind of grew up with it, uh, got into cars, that kind of thing. And then when I graduated high school, uh, I went on to SCSU and decided I wanted to wanted to apply what I've had and help other companies. So manufacturing engineering was a great fit for me. From there, I've been with several custom coders and OEMs over the years and have walked into their facilities and helped get their paint systems to the most efficiency of the equipment we had. So it's it's been an, a really fun road over the last 18 years, and I am enjoying every minute of it here at Tegeese. So yeah, that's kind of kind of where I came from. Uh, I've always landed in paint, uh, even when I title wasn't there. I, I was still helping the paint systems out. Brad, when when Derek was describing the the issues that they were running into before and the various technologies they were using, how did you how did you approach that problem? Kind of talk us through what you were seeing and uh, with all of your experience, how you applied your knowledge in that particular case. You know, this is a problem that is dealt with in every system, every way it's set up. Uh, if, if you're applying a coating and you're using a wash or a wand wash to clean that part, there's always residual left. Uh, a lot of the applications in my previous positions, you literally had a guy standing there with ladders and blow off. Uh, you know, we tried, tried to task him with a couple other things because it's very monotonous. I mean, you're waiting for something to come out of an oven or if it's a wand wash, you're pulling a rack out, blowing that off and throwing it in the next oven. And as Derek spoke to, the, the, uh, the easier way with less labor is to crank that oven up, but the cost is substantial. You know, cycle times can be up to 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the thickness of the part and how much water is remaining after the, after the wash. Uh, also, as Derek spoke to, you know, with the OEMs, we were able to spend a lot of engineering resource trying to figure out how to put drain holes in these parts to prevent the water from pooling. And then, of course... The other option was to hang the part differently to paint, which you were actually sacrificing your paint quality because you can no longer present it to the painter in a way that they could properly paint it. With all this background and walking into when I started to geese, they were just installing the system. It was definitely something that hadn't been considered because they've never had to deal with the, the conveyorized system. They had the time to blow the parts off and have the workers spend labor to do it. Well, now our system is 14 feet in the air, so that would require platforms and ladders and would have been a very physically challenging position to do. 
And it also becomes, Brad, once you say it's also, you said that uh, when you're manually blowing them off, um, it gets monotonous, but it also just, the time is so frustrating because as a part goes by before the next part goes by, sometimes you have downtime, but not enough to barely do anything else. You can't go do anything else. So there's a lot of standing around before the next part even comes. And, uh, you know, we jokingly said before, I've heard you say that uh, that position is either the last one that you get before you get fired or the or the last one you get just before you retire, because it's a it's a it's a tough one it makes you want to sometimes want to jump off a cliff. And it is it's, you know, because basically if you have multiple tasks you can be doing, the chances of you missing a part, especially when you're doing multiple parts on a single rack, you know, if you have we have setups here that have 120 parts on one rack. You know, if you're to miss two of them, that's two parts that are not going to make it through quality because they're going to have excess water or even just a higher concentration of, of our zirconium coatings on them or, you know, any coatings that you would be applying in your in your five stage washes. And with that there, you have poor salt spray performance and, you know, a defect in the field that you may not catch at the unload station because it's, it's under the surface. Even past that, Brad, once you say that one of the things is that that would happen and user error happens. And if you have a person manually blowing off parts there, like a lot of companies do, if you miss one, eh, when you got a manual painter painting, when they go to get to that part, they'll see it. And then you can tip it out, you can blow it out, or you can skip it and come back to it. But now we add automation in a robot that doesn't see that part. And now we have a whole new problem. When you say that's something kind of new as general industry of, of manufacturers look at adding robots to the system, we lost that second layer of visual uh, quality. That is correct. I mean, because these parts, you're, you're basically, you're touching them at load and you're touching them again at unload. So the rest of the system, when it's set up properly, is, as you said, a couple people will be able to run the entire system. Uh, but even even back to the, the manual painting, as, as a manager of several painters, several shifts, 24-7 hour operations, they don't catch it all. Even the even your primer painters. Uh, I have had several parts come out of the oven with the little corners with absolutely no paint on them because the water finally evaporated out and you've left that blemish. Uh, but again, uh, the other the hidden aspect, the one that you don't see at that unload station is the fact that if you have higher concentrations of your your cleaning chemical or your conversion coating on there, that will fail out in the field. And you won't see that. So by by adding the automation and making sure that every part is treated the same way, you are able to use some of the benefits of not having to boil every second of that water out and getting that, that part temp up to places where sometimes they can't be. Brad, we're we're also getting courted by quite a few chemical companies right now as um, as well. I think because of our our application and our solutions that we're using, can you kind of explain why they see that as a big deal or an advantage? It's it's just a good marriage of technology and process. So now that from a chemical company's standpoint, they can use a more aggressive or even a, a faster building chemical on the part because they know it's going to be taken off before it hits that dry off oven cycle. Usually those dry off ovens are, you know, at minimum 25 to 30 feet away, which at the slower speed chains you, or the slower chain speeds you see on the washes, that could be up to 
five to ten minutes after it's left the last stage. A lot of these chemicals aren't, aren't made to dry in place. If they do before they're completely removed, they'll leave a residue behind. And also, people are always looking to how do we get more throughput? How do we keep these things moving? And at the speeds that or the volumes that these people are seeing that production needs to be to make a profit these days, that it's just it's too much for one person to keep up with. Like in our as- aspect, if you're doing 120 parts and something happens outside of what you're focused on, there's a really good chance you're going to you're gonna make that quality mistake and you're going to have a couple of those parts that got to go through the oven. And if we're set up at our lower oven temps that we're able to run, that part's going to be a defect. One other thing with the, when you're talking about production and the velocity increase that they're looking to try to get, or now adding maybe a robotic application to your spraying pattern that opens up the opportunity to add this solution to their line very easily as well, is that one, that thing I didn't know would happen when we put this in is, um, is the, decrease of the increased production you can get now the paint or the pre-treatment no longer becomes um, a bottleneck can you explain why that happens now that a dry-off oven actually is a dry-off oven it's not an evaporation oven what is how does that impact uh productivity well yeah it's, it's your dwell time so a lot of times ovens are kind of the bottlenecks of systems whether it's your cure oven or in this case a dry-off oven if you've got a lot of large parts that will hold water your only option in the past was to blow them off. And there's still areas where you have laminated sheets that you've just got to boil it out. Uh, with the application of the less suction blow off robot, we now can go in after those parts before they hit the oven. And our dwell times, instead of being 45 minutes to an hour, can be down to 30 minutes, depending on what temp you want to run that oven. You know, we're actually running our ovens currently at 150 degrees for 30 minutes. Our tack time in the paint booth is six minutes, so it works out perfectly for our queue times that our oven will never be our bottleneck again now. Now it's onto the cure oven. You, know, you kind of move move that down the line to what your bottleneck's going to be in the system. So repeat, that was a, that's a, a pretty huge, I think, statement of we have complex parts, job shop parts that hold a lot of water. We have nobody standing back there blowing off parts, and we're running our oven at what 150 degrees 150 degrees at a 30 minute and no that's not a dwell that's a 30 minutes through so if that part enters we're running we do run a 20 foot a minute so it would only be in that in that oven for 10 minutes if it ran straight through but uh because of the the power and free system we have we are able to time that thing at 30 minutes and release it onto the cool out tunnel so before that when we were before we had this set up, we were running our oven temp, temp at, what was it, 220? 220, yeah. So basically, we were making sure we could boil if we had to. Which we didn't want to because we were blowing parts off. But if we missed... If we missed, we had redundancy. The issue was our chemical company warned us that we were going to overbake our zirconium finish. On our thinner parts, we were pushing the edge of what they wanted to see. So the solution... As most are, there was there was a want and a, a need to find another way to do this. As I said, our, our lines are very high to make sure we get the maximum out of the coating area of our robot. And it just wasn't feasible for someone to be on a platform with a ladder on top of the platform to keep up with these parts. 
So one thing that was interesting is that we created the solution for ourselves, which then offered another uh, additional solution to be able to go back to our spray customers, whether it be powder, whether it be liquid. And so as we launched this solution at Fabtech in 2019, um, we've now actually had some companies that have come talking to us, and this is their main pain point. Um, this is this was the starting application. And then by getting this solution ready, now it opened up another door for them to be able to finish the part now after their oscillating guns as a touch-up. So it was kind of interesting. I thought it would only be used as an adder, like, hey, if you've if you've got your parts fixtured and we're and we're powder coating or liquid spraying your parts now if this is a problem you can add this very cost effectively because we're already communicating with your line we're already you've already got your parts presenting and working with your uh spraying robots so now we can drop one of these in and automate that reduce your oven temp and go and now we have some companies that this is such a pain point for them these other hurdles of of the contamination issues the other problems they have that you can start with this one and now you now then can look at your spray application as well which has kind of been a, a kind of a fun surprise for us yeah you know because the early their only other option at that point is you know large air knives or setting up fixed nozzles at the end of their wash you know that is an option out there but the air consumption alone you know those are always on they see the part they turn on there, you can't really adjust them to get into those nook and crannies, which with the Lester robot, we simply guide the wand to where it needs to be. We can re reproduce that, and you know you can get within a couple inches of the part. It's going to be out of the way for the next part when you have that different configuration come through. That helps not blow off little parts, too. I hear a lot of people complain that they try to use the air knives, and they're blowing their little parts around. They get swaying and moving, and sometimes they get knocked off, and it didn't get it off anyway. So you blew a ton of, ton of air at something, and you still have your one pocket of water that's still there. Yeah, and as you spoke to, you know, once, once you've got the fixturing in place, and honestly, the fixturing we have is just simple, same length hooks. It's nothing you're redesigning every time you want to hook up hook apart it's use the hooks you've got and make sure you maintain them one other really cool thing that came out of our suction blow-off application that we created for degrees corporation as we then looked at uh, our less to usa customers that were coming to us and that we we're presenting the solution and show them what we had created was that we thought that our solution would be used solely as an add-on to the spray side. So as we add it to our, our customers, less to USA customers, powder coat systems and their, their liquid applications, that this is a really easy, you've already fixtured your parts, you've already, you're already, we're communicating with your conveyor line and we're just adding one more trigger and dropping another robot in to automate another app, manual application. And so we saw that as the avenue that it would progress. And what we've seen is there's a couple customers actually came to us that this was the main pain point for them is that they are trapped water causing problems with their, when they get into the spray side or they're having, they're having issues of that, of that buildup of the dried residue causing contamination issues. All the things we're talking about, we've heard people come and then that's the, the, the conversation starter for us to look for solutions to use the Lesta technology to be able to help them in their finishing system. So as we uh, get their process down to be able to use robotics to be able to help with the suction blow off, now the same thing happened again. Well, now all of a sudden, the same customer now is ready to be able to use a 
Lesta robot in a powder application at the end as a touch-up for their oscillating guns. So they were having trouble with standing water, and then theirs would get hit with the oscillating guns as it left the pretreatment. And so they had a person blowing off all the parts as it came by, but as Brad said earlier, um, they would miss some. But since it was then going right into an oscillating system, no one else saw it. So there was not another level of uh, quality um, to be able to double check that person. And so by the time it got through the oscillating guns, the part was wrecked or it had to be reworked. We had to try to pull it off the line before it got cured and it created a huge problem. So, so we looked at adding, they looked at adding the, the suction blow off robots um, to start with. And then now that we've, we've, We've solved that problem for them. Now they can add another one after the oscillating gun since that problem has been taken care of. And now they're ready to just touch it up with the robot. And it turned out to be a really cool application. But the great part about this technology is you don't have to have a highly precision fixture. We do need to be able to repeatable, but we need to be repeatable within, you know, we say a quarter to half inch. Honestly, we're using purchase hooks and hooks that we made here ourselves at the geese. And we're also offering hooks to our Lesta customers. I mean, it's, it's not something that you're going to have to redesign the wheel every time you want to put a new hook up. You use what you, you have existing and do a different configuration for each part. Doing rows of parts works really well. A lot of our Lesta customers have used the racks that they have. And, uh, you know, we just, they have to be very meticulous about how they use them, where they hang the parts. And, you know, have a little bit of documentation so that guy at the load on load line knows what was done last time when you program the part. So it doesn't have to be a scary, ominous thing, um, Brad. I think that's a really good point. And if it is, we also offer services about to help with that. We can use our experience that we've had and we can look at the application that's there. And sometimes you're like, you know, these are were the original hooks you had 40 years ago when your company opened. I think that we need to look at getting some new ones or we can say, you know what, we can work with this, but if you got a couple of these that are bent, we need to throw these out. Um, and then if they're still nervous or if we think it's going to be an issue, we also design and help them do fixtures from scratch as well. And um, there's a lot of different ways that that our customers can get value from, from the experiences that we had. And not all of it is scary. Start over from scratch, super custom fixturing. Correct. Yeah, so it just, it's just, it's getting that same presentation, you know, and honestly, even the lines I ran with no automation, I, I preach that up and down that you want to present that part to the painter the same way every time. Well, now we've just kind of taken it one step further and asked that it is the same and here's, we're going to document how to do it. We're going to make it so anyone can walk up here and put it on the line, send it down and we'll get a good part out the other side. So guys, I'll, ju I'll jump back in here at this point just to say that uh, we've had a fantastic conversation here today and, and I've really enjoyed getting to learn a little bit more about this new solution that's based on your experiences and really utilizes Brad's expertise and, and it's been really, really interesting to listen to. Derek, I want to bring it back to you and ask, you know, what are some of the changes that you've seen uh, in the finishing department as a result of uh, of this technology? What, what, what changes at DeGeist have you seen? One of the things I think that's really key to this is that uh, we're 
we're empowering the people that are there. You're using the people and you're creating better opportunities for them to do more with their time. So instead of standing there and worrying about missing a pocket or a hole or trying to scrape, get a part off quickly before it gets through oscillators or over to your painter, um, you're now, or waiting for the next part to come. We've now taken a job that frankly, no one really wants, and it's really hard to fill. So we now are able to use the people that are com- the companies or our customers that we're coming to use the people you have and the, and the experience they have to be able to, to be able to quickly and very easily automate this process to reduce your oven temps and, and your, to, to decrease the overhead of your system through labor, through your utilities, and now we created a better quality part. Every time I hear that the robot blowing, I don't even have to be around there. If I'm in the clean area, I hear, I hear the robot blowing water out. I, I feel good. And it's, I actually smile every time I hear it. It really does. It's because it's another thing. I, I don't worry about that at all. I, I listen, I hear it. It makes me feel good. And I keep moving and we're working on something else. And now we have our team now is able to do titrations on the water. They're able to go look in mill thicknesses on the parts and they're not worried about that either. You know, so it just, it takes worries away. It makes automation easier and it helps make a better quality product. And by reducing your, or your overhead and your cost of your system. It's just a, it's been a really neat uh, and fun uh, project and really proud of what our team put together and how it works in a lot of, in, in it for so many companies. Brad, anything you want to add to, uh, to Derek's comments? It's just one more thing that you're going to have your expert do it. That's kind of what we preach on the last side is we don't want someone new to walk into that paint booth and have to learn how to paint that part. We're going to take the person that already knows how to do it. It's the same thing with blowing these parts off. Each part has got kind of its own characteristic or personality, and you need to attack it a certain way. Well, now the guy that's been doing that can do it once and see the result of what he did. I mean, it's that fast. As you do the first set of parts, you you back away and watch the second part get done with the robot. And at that point, you can check it over, make sure all the parts are coming out the dry-off oven as you expect them to, and you're off to the next thing. You're not continually, you know, if you're stuck at the front of the wash, you can't see what's coming out of the oven. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it allows them to, to do that quality check and make sure nothing's getting through where they just don't have the time to do it otherwise. Brad, that's a that's a really good point. And, and it's something we hadn't really talked about up until this point in the podcast. But uh, let's talk a little bit more about how this technology works. We explained a lot of the the why and the what, but let's talk a little bit more about how and um, and uh, maybe get into to some of the details there. Uh, the less the self-learning technology kind of works off of the experience of your employee. So the gentleman that knows the part, knows where the pockets are going to be, will simply put the robot in teach mode, enter the robot area, grab the nozzle. Uh, there's multiple buttons on our handle, which detaches when not in use. Uh, you'll attach your handle, the you know top barrel. There's actually two barrels on the blow-offs or on the suction blow-off. And the top is actually a, a vacuum, and the bottom is a wide pattern fan. Depending on what part they have or what they want to do, they can they can trigger one top barrel, bottom barrel, or both. I mean, depending on what you're doing, sometimes you're kind of doing a little bit of both at the same time. So some guys will only use the fan on 90% of their parts, and some gentlemen have parts that are small enough that they, they use the vacuum more. So it's, you walk in, do your, do your path, record all of your triggering. You know, if you're using suction on the top, 
top row and you're blowing off everything in the bottom row, uh, it records all that. So as soon as you're done, you'll hit stop, stop train. And as you're walking out of the booth, it's already written that program and the next rail coming down the line will run exactly what you just did. So you're basically playing back every movement, every, every actuation that you did in the prior rail. One cool thing about that, Brad, is I've seen you and, and the rest of some of our team do on our system is our complex parts. We don't have like a, a A side, B side per se that we can say all the times. We've some of our customers have a complicated side and they they will only need a robot on one side. Ours are all over the place. So we have one on each side of, of our of our conveyor line. And so when when our team trains the robot and when we're done blowing, blowing or sucking the water out and hit stop, hit automatic, go in automatic mode, they walk away, hit the door, it's running the next rail. And we walk over, grab the next one, and then we train the other side and then we walk away and then they go off to work on something else. And then the rest of the, the rails coming are, are being uh, taken care of which I thought uh, is a, it is a really neat, quick thing that happens. Yeah. The, the ability to, you know, the next rail is already being done with, by the first robot as you're training the second. So you're getting a real time, you know, exactly what you're going to see on that second half. You're not trying to assume what, what the first program took off. It's, it's already there. You know, you're doing exactly what you just worked on just seconds before. Well, guys, as we begin to bring our conversation to a close today, is there anything we haven't mentioned yet that you want to make sure that we talk about um, when it comes to less the self-learning suction blow-off robots? Is there anything we haven't discussed, be it benefits, be it how the technology works, um, or anything along those lines that we want to make sure that we uh, we discuss before we wrap things up today? I think it's just, Tyler, it's just a suction blow-off application with the less the self-learning technology just uh, automates in a very simple, easy way um, a process that causes a lot of problems. One that's often overlooked that maybe people never thought about automating, mm -hmm. but it can have a huge benefit and very quick ROI to be able to help your company. Brad, anything that you'd uh, like to add as well? Yeah, Tyler. I mean, we're just, it's all about fine tuning your process and limiting those variables. And, you know, with this technology, you are able to reduce your oven temps, you know, by up to 30%. Mm -hmm. And you can increase your throughput because one thing we really haven't even touched on yet is we can program at one speed and you can run at the next speed. So if you need to, to push the output of your system for a day to meet a, a customer demand, you have up to a 20% increase you can run the line at and the robot will stay with it. Uh, other things to look at is, you know, improve salt spray results. So if, if you're getting outliers in your salt sprays where you're having some parts that are passing flying colors, and you're having a few that are having anomalies, this will help eliminate one more of those variables to give you that quality part. Well, guys, thank you so much again for joining us for this episode of Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, a podcast from DeGeist. We appreciate it very much, and you shared a lot of insights and a lot of expertise here uh, that I think is going to be extremely valuable for people um, for people across the general industry. And so uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Derek and Brad, thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Tyler. 
Excellent. And everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode as well. Of course, we have a number of series and other episodes that we've recorded on this podcast that you should go back and listen to. We've talked about upskilling the workforce, which Derek mentioned a little bit of earlier on in the podcast, and a number number of other product-focused podcasts as well. So make sure to go back and check out those previous episodes. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to stay up to date with the latest in thought leadership from the folks at Dig East. And of course, we'll be back soon with new episodes. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.